What's up, guys? Welcome to another edition of the Clinical Mastermind Podcast. I am your host, Dan Pringle, and today we talk about treating knee pain, QL, and learning from clinical success. What's up, guys? Welcome to another edition of the Clinical Mastermind Podcast. I am your host, Dan Pringle. And, uh, and today in this episode, it's gonna tie back into something I've done previously, which is diving into some of the mentorship conversations that I had. So in this particular version, um, it's, a, it's gonna be a nice conversation with one of my mentees around a couple of different topics. It starts, as you'll see pretty quickly, where he starts talking about a patient with knee pain that he's actually having success with. And rather than us diving into kind of what he did for treatment and what kind of lessons we can learn from the results of the patient, I want to take a step backwards and, and uh, really highlight the value of learning from the successes that you can have. So in this case, rather than talking about why he's getting results, we're going to still dive into the history and see if there's more information that we can gain about the biomechanics of a basketball player with knee pain, uh, about how uh, his observations led him to the results that he ended up getting ultimately with treatment, uh, and start you thinking a little bit more about how we can gain even more value from every little thing that we do in a treatment. Then we're going to kind of, the conversation goes in a couple different directions. We talk about uh, one of my patients who uh, was a runner with one-sided low back pain and how we managed that. And then the different perspectives that I coordinated and collaborated with, um, with a strength coach to kind of maximize performance in the short term and the long term for my athlete. And overall, again, the theme of uh, how even patients who are doing well and responding well can be some of the best resources for us as we continue to try to grow uh, as practitioners and, and improve our ability to help people. Um, last of all, we kind of tie in some aspects uh, around kind of the path to clinical mastery, what that takes and the kind of dedication and energy uh, we need to uh, deploy on a regular basis if we want to continue to improve to the point where we can really understand any complex problem, whether it takes a lot of work or we don't have the tools to address it or not is a different question, but to be able to understand the problem and know what the best avenue for success is and be able to get out in front of these problems. So we talk a little bit about how um, how practitioners kind of end up on that journey or when they decide to get off the journey and kind of end up kind of be settling for whatever level of practice they're at. So I think some interesting conversations come out from a couple of different levels. I think you'll, you'll really enjoy kind of the three different segments as we go through uh, that, that kind of half of our, our one-hour mentorship uh, session. So I will just use this as an opportunity to, to highlight again that I do have the Clinical Mastermind Mentorship Program. It's a great opportunity uh, for really one-on-one uh, mentorship chats just like you'll see here. Um, and, and for those uh, listening as well. And uh, it's a great chance to talk more about the process of developing your practice and developing your skills. It's not as much focused on uh, the technical side, but more on understanding a problem, clinical reasoning, developing those skills with, to improve your practice over the long term because you've built a foundation of asking the right questions and getting the right information from those questions and your observations and even from the results of the treatments. Uh, so if you have any questions, you can uh, check it out at clinicalmastermind.com. You can email me at dan at clinicalmastermind.com. Make sure that you're checking me out on Instagram at dpringle.physio, uh, Twitter, dpringle underscore physio. Uh, I've got a YouTube page, youtube.com slash dpringle with no E, D-P-R-I-N-G-L. And, uh, and there's lots of other ways to try to engage in, and, uh, and continue to develop our skills over time. So please make sure you're checking it out. Last of all, I've got uh, a Facebook group now that you can access. 
you can go to uh, facebook.com slash groups slash clinical mastermind and uh, we're going to start to put a little bit more content out there that's a little bit more unique and, and, and highlighting some of the, the conversations that we want to have within uh, within the, the profession and within uh, kind of clinical growth uh, as a whole. So please ch- make sure you check those out when you get a chance. And uh, without further ado, please enjoy the podcast. Yeah, some good results I'm getting right now are, um, are like knee stuff, like a lot of knee hip issues. Okay, like medial knee stuff or anterior? Yeah, or... like anterior medial knee stuff. Yep. Uh, I'm getting some really good results with that, which is nice. Um, so basically, there's a couple of cases I've been kind of doing that have worked really well. Um, one of them is was a um, basketball player. Okay. Um, he... Like a, a kid or an adult or what? Uh, he's 22. 22. Okay. He wants to go back to school to play basketball. He's working right now. But he had to stop playing basketball, he said, because um, he was getting pain on the front of his knee. Okay. okay? Like um, inferior patella kind of stuff? Exactly. Like, especially when he um, would jump. Okay. When he would come off his left foot and jump, he would get pain right at the patella tendon, essentially. So classic, typical presentation of jumper's knee, the eccentric loading position, he would come up. Anyways, um, so I looked, at, I looked at him, I assessed him. He told me no previous knee injuries. Um, he was really scared because he didn't think he could play basketball again, which I kind of told him that was, you're good. Like, don't worry. <laughs> Lots of knee pain and they can yeah. play basketball again, yeah. Yeah, so that, that's what I told him. I said, you know what, you're good. We'll, uh, we'll get you going. Anyways, so I've been working with him for like three or four sessions and his knee pain is like completely abolished, which is nice. Great. Um, so in terms of um, what I've been doing, so I gave him some hip stuff. Yeah, I, I, care, I don't care that much about what he's doing, to be honest, what you're doing, okay. to be honest, because what you're doing is clearly working, which is great. Yeah. What I want to know is why did he develop knee pain? So he... Um, so... He, he, there was no specific incident. Right. So uh, why did he develop the pain? His mechanics were terrible. Okay. Tell me more. Um, when I looked at his squat, he led with his knees. Um, he would get pain right away. Um, with that, um, I looked at his uh, standing jump. Okay. All of his weight would come forward, especially his chest. So even like if he was going for a rebound, stuff like that. Um, his so wait, so mechanic. if you, you, you asked him to just like jump straight up and he would fall yep. forwards? No, so like when he preloaded, he would come oh, way okay. over. Gotcha. Okay. Um, so I asked I asked him to just go straight up. Mm-hmm. Right. Um he would come right forward. Yep. Um and his squat also when he came uh, when I looked at it posteriorly, he would come more to his right side. So he'd take, he would actually shift shift a little bit to this painful side or away from the pain away side? away from the painful side okay so okay. that's more of a compensatory thing my first exactly. guess is that would be yeah. because he had symptoms how long did he had pain yeah. uh, about a year he was hmm. saying so he was playing basketball and he had to stop so yeah he uh, what else did i look at oh his um he's had previous ankle injuries on that side um, like sprained ankles and stuff on that left side. Okay. 
what you explained a lot in terms of uh, mechanics of his ankle, looking at like, you know, what he's doing. Um, I asked him kind of how he got, like, did he get any treatment or anything like that for his ankle? He said no. He kind of just rested it and then put his way back into it. Yeah, it's pretty typical. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I said that. I said a lot of basketball players, they get a lot of ankle injuries because of that exact reason, right? Um, they don't uh, train their ankles properly. Um, they just they practice their sport, but they don't you know, get into the gym and get proprioceptive feedback and stability and ankle stability and stuff like that. Um, Anything else? So you talk about you know, maybe his upper body mechanics aren't great with jumping with an old ankle sprain. I mean, that still describes like most basketball players. Yeah. Was there anything else yeah. that stood out that might've contributed to why he ended up with knee pain and why that side? No. Um, he, well, the only other thing was he said that um, when he go takes off, uh, he takes off with his left always. And that's, sorry, the left side is the one that's injured. Yes. Yeah. That's, I mean, most of the time he's going to go left footed, right? Cause basketball players, yeah. you go up with your right hand. So it's going to be your left leg and vice versa. Yeah. Right. So yeah, that so, makes sense. So he's going to put more stress. So that's that's a contributor for sure. If he's going to have an injury, maybe more likely yeah. to be on that side. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, other than that, if, no. If you're, talking, if you're talking about eccentric loading, yeah, he's going to be landing more on his right side. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's probably less. If I mean, again, I'm just throwing out some interesting concepts yeah. here as you start to yeah, challenge. Yeah. You dive deeper into it because it's like it's great this guy's getting better but we can use the cases where he's getting better to highlight areas of improvement in understanding of the problem just as well as we can when they're not getting better and i think this is something you know when you stick to the process like we've described in the past you can really find those results either way um so for example um even though he's he's yes he's jumping off of that leg that's a concentric movement that's you know usually concentric movements aren't the ones that that are going to injure your knee it's the eccentric stuff right so you have to think about as he's decelerating to go up, as he's transferring his force from horizontal to vertical, that last step to decelerate and explode upwards happens on his, on his left foot. So not, if you just had someone stand and just jump straight up, for instance, the eccentric force on that leg isn't that high. But when you are running full speed for a layup, and you have to change your force from horizontal to vertical, that's where a lot of people have trouble. And that's why the upper body mechanics are actually really important um, in, in basketball players and, and volleyball players the same way. Because what we've found when we've done a lot of testing is that a lot of them jump the same height when they're standing still as when they're running. Right. So think about that for a second. That means if you get lots of momentum, you don't yeah. actually jump higher than if you stood still and just bent down and did a counter movement jump. Yeah. And the reason is that they don't get trained on how to use their upper body or anything above their hips for that matter to generate force. Um, and, and as a result, they are losing all of that horizontal momentum, number one, so they can't jump as high. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. No, no, it's making sense. And number two, they've got a absorb all that horizontal force. If you think about like your, you know, undergrad physics, for instance, right? You are trying to translate the horizontal into vertical force, but you need to, you need to either transfer it or you need to absorb it so you can generate force in a different plane. Right. What that means is that all of that horizontal force needs, if, you, if it's not helping with the vertical force, it just needs to be absorbed by the body. 
So he just has to stop basically and then jump separately. So all of that horizontal force of him running is absorbed by basically the patellar tendon. Okay. And, and certainly the anterior, like the quads and, and, and the patellar tendon. So are you saying when you're testing, you get them to run jump or? In an ideal world, yeah. If we're doing like, usually if we do our, like we work with basketball teams and we actually do like functional testing and, and, and assess that stuff, but I wouldn't necessarily do it in the clinic. But when I see the upper body stuff you described, it's good that you got them to jump. Um, that's enough for me to probably to have a good estimate on on what it's going to look like when he actually does running and jumping. Take off or layup or something. Okay. So what that means for you in the short term is, I mean, great. He's young. He's adaptable. He's a good athlete. You know, he's picking up cues probably pretty well. Right. Um, and so right right away, it's going to be easy for him for you to get results. But as he gets back into basketball and he wants to play at a university level and wants to play at a high level again. Yeah one of those limiting factors to performance is that so this is a difference between a patient who comes in gets out of pain and never sees you again or the patient who's getting better and you're like look as we've as we said before these were the mechanical problems with your running with your movement patterning this is why i was overloaded we've addressed the losses of adaptability at your ankle and your hip and your knee and whatever you know your back but to have this lasting effect for you to achieve what your goals are in performance we have to take into consideration the biomechanics of running and jumping. Right. And that translates into a whole different kind of progression of skill set, right? Uh, that you can now start to offer a lot more than just on the guy who gets people out of pain. Right. Um, so, yeah, so now like that, the reason I brought that up for, you know, well, there's a couple of reasons, but one of the other big reasons is that it's so easy to just be like, oh yeah, you jump, you put stress in your knee. Great. But if you, still have that kind of superficial understanding you won't be able to clue in on people who aren't getting better or that kid who after three sessions is feeling great and then they come back and they're like it's back again why is it back yeah yeah it's like oh i need to strengthen the quads like do you or do you need to change how you're no 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 and i i get that i um i you know i have uh i have a queen's physio student right now and uh so i'm trying to kind of transfer that a little bit to him uh, as well, because, you know, the, the good thing about yourself is you've kind of challenged me outside of this box, mm -hmm. right, which is good. Um, so I'm trying to always think that way, right? And so it's funny because you don't really realize the effect on it until you get a student and they're boxed, right? This is how I do this. It's like, well, what about this? <laughs> or right? how about, like, how about, why why do you do this yeah 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 exactly like why do you why do you only do this i should say <laughs> right and so i'm i'm kind of i see the difference which is yeah, really good um because now i'm challenging myself more so than well i'm challenging the patient but i'm challenging myself more right yeah which is which is huge it's huge so it's, it's the way you get better and it's so hard. It, it takes more effort to do that. But when you actually see the, the progress that you've made over the last several months, like it's really obvious in your thinking. But here's a good example of areas still to, to work on. When someone's getting better, like how many times have you asked yourself, right. Wait, I'm getting results, but why am I getting results? Like sometimes it's like, I don't know, they came back and they were better and I didn't think I helped them. In this case, you think you are helping them, but you haven't really like dived really deep into 
okay, what exactly are the mechanisms of injury? What is the mechanism of treatment? You know, what if I did this instead of that? Would they still get the same result? Like, you, there's still so much to gain on the cases that are working. And in fact, you've bought yourself some leeway that if you wanted next time you saw him to try something completely different, even if it didn't work, you could probably still continue to work with him. And you've learned something about his body. He's learned about his body and you're continuing to move forward. So, so those cases where, where you're getting results are sometimes ones you learn the most. Yeah. And the good thing is, is like, you know, now I have his trust and his rapport because that pain is almost eliminated. So, you know, it's not unusual to say, okay, let's take a look at maybe your T-spine mechanics. Let's take a look at your shoulder. Let's take a look at your lumbar, lumbar spine. Right. Like I already looked at his low back, but yeah, let's take a look at T-spine, shoulders, scapular mobility, scapular movement, uh, how you're anterior chain is working right your 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 core how is that responding right yeah so. jumping single leg jumping up onto something jumping on different angles landing exactly. mechanics yeah. um yeah. those things are huge and it's so easy to just be like oh you have no pain like carry on but you know i i put out one of those one of those tweets uh um, i think it was last week that i said like don't discharge somebody just because they're out of pain discharge them when you've made a significant change in their yeah, movement in, in a lasting and meaningful way um, and that's really important to think about because if you just uh, treat them for uh, their, their symptom, even if you get like, say they're stronger and the mobility is better, but those functional movement problems haven't been addressed, th- that same injury or another injury will arise. And we, we know we have a potential to do better than that. We just have to apply ourselves, communicate it effectively, and then constantly uh, develop the skills to be able to do it in every situation. Right. So, yeah, it's, it's, um, <clears throat> I was talking to a, a really good uh, trainer the other day. Um, and he, you know, knows his, his skill set and limitations. Like personal trainers? Or yeah, yeah, personal yeah, trainers. Okay. Okay. Um, on like the strength and conditioning side, but also on performance. And he works a lot. He really got a good eye for picking up movement pattern imbalances and addressing them with exercise and stuff like that. And we're talking about how we collaborate. And, um, we had this one runner who's, uh, you know, like a Asa level cross country runner and, you know, one of the, one of the best in the province. And he was, had been working with this trainer for several years and, um, had seen a couple of different therapists for uh, one sided low back pain or, uh, last year and wasn't really making progress. The strength coach would, could kind of identify things and he could work, he could kind of activate them so he could get a good workout, but he wasn't actually a, like addressing the problem he, he knew it wasn't his expertise so he was kind of sending them to different people different practitioners and it wasn't really helping <clears throat> sorry right and then uh one of his buddies said oh dude you need to you know one of the, another runner who i was working with is like all right it's, it's not getting better you need to go see dan and uh i basically you look at his movement patterning and picked up he had like everyone could identify but no one was really focusing on um it's like little shift he had almost like a like a, like a trunk shift when we'd walk or do a single leg squat. And some, for some reason he was shifting his weight away from the, the injured side. Um, when he would load the foot? When he would load or? it, yeah. And I actually forget exactly what side it was and if it was towards or away, but it was, and it, it could pick up pretty quickly. Um, and then did some functional testing and basically everything, like he's a strong, good athlete, um, but all of his lower body um, muscles were shut off basically like like everything was weak abduction adduction flexion just like not strong and he's like what's going on with my body like i'm i've been the gym like three times a week i'm with a great strength coach i'm a runner like i'm you know best in in the province what's going on um rotational strength 
was really bad on one side and like mediocre on the other. Um, okay. And that was enough to be like, you know what? I think I know what's going on because the rotational strength that was bad was on the same side of his lower back pain. That was one side. Right. Right. I was going to ask about obliques. Yeah. Yeah. And so the first thing I did was I went to QL. I was really a lot of tone, a lot of tenderness, sensitivity, um, put a needle in there, winter plus. You know, I wanted to, uh, I wanted to quickly ask you about QL. Um, now QL, we don't really learn in Mac. Mm-hmm. So I was just wondering, because I learned it in the X door stuff, um, but I'm not confident in it. Um, so when you're needling QL, um, like what's your depth on that? Like, what, what do you, I, I just want to ask you quickly about that. I, I always use a, a 75. Yeah. For it. And, uh, Probably about three, four centimeters is probably average. Depends on the size of the person. Um, and you're L four five. Yeah, I'm, I'm palpating exactly on the muscle belly, just under and posterior to the the kind of inferior angle of the ribs. Right, the right. Palpate. And then you you go on a forty five, or do you I go, go per, I go perpendicular. Perpendicular. So, so it's, uh, side lying. So I'm going towards the floor. Yeah. Okay. Oh, so you're going? Yeah, yeah. Okay. 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 Yeah. No worries. Thanks. Yeah. No problem. Um. And yeah, as long as you're palpating that muscle, it's actually pretty safe. You're posterior enough, you should be fine. Okay. Um, good. Go back over those extra notes if you, if, if, they, if you need to. I, I will, yeah. I'm, I'm going to practice it too before yeah, I sure. just start doing it. I want to do it because I see that it's a really, really good 100%. point. Yeah, it's, 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 it's really valuable. Hey guys, Dan here. And what I want to talk about for a second here is the idea of continuing education courses. Most courses that are available are weekend courses. You're in, you're out, you learn a couple things, you move on, and it's your job to figure out how to integrate your skills that you've just picked up in that course, along with all the other course, uh, courses you're taking in the past, to try to integrate them into something meaningful when it comes to the patient who's coming through your door. And I always found that really challenging, and I've seen a lot of other people struggle with that over time. And that's why I started to put together the Clinical Mastermind Mentorship Program. The idea there is that rather than this kind of one-hit weekend or even a series of weekends, I've built a program that goes over a six-month period of time where it's built on developing your experience through case studies to come up with better clinical reasoning understanding and decision-making processes. And that goes a long way when it comes to developing skills in the long term, integrating whatever skill sets you have available to you, because you'll have a better idea of the problem. You'll know what pieces you're missing from the subjective history. You'll be making more accurate decisions when you have the right information. And then you'll know how that bridges into the objective assessment, into treatment, into reassessment, and developing the long-term plan for your patient. So if you want to do a better job of integrating the skills that you already have, you're not going to be able to get that new weekend course. It's going to take a lot of time and energy. And there's a lot of uh, ways that you can improve upon that by, uh, by spending some time uh, with the Clinical Mastermind Mentorship Program. If you're interested, check it out, www.clinicalmastermind.com. Uh, and you can also reach me at dan at clinicalmastermind.com with any questions you've got. Please enjoy the rest of the podcast. So anyways, what I was saying was, uh, so I was chatting with this trainer uh, yesterday just about that because that was in the spring and he's had you know one session and he's never had back pain since and we got him on a maintenance program now and he's doing really well. And, and, uh, and it's all coming, coming together. Um, but we were just having a conversation about how um, he is, is someone who kind of doesn't, he, he can identify things and address them, but he doesn't necessarily have that like really deep 
understanding of exactly why. And he's like, I don't need to. That's what people like you do. And I know what my expertise is. I can understand movement, break it down, pick the, pick the things we need to improve upon and develop a program to address it. So number one, we were talking about how well um, we can and need to collaborate with strength coaches and performance coaches and stuff like that. But the other piece he was saying, it, it was really clear to him. He said, sometimes I just like look at things and I don't know why it, I need to do this, but I know what I have to do. I can just like pick it up. I see it and I need to change their strength program accordingly. And I was saying, you know what? That's really interesting because for me, I, because I've been teaching for five years, which is you know, more than half of my practicing career. Um, and, and through some of these things, you know, like the mentorship stuff as well, I've had to think about my process and say it out loud. Right. So while there are lots of like kind of guru type people who just like pick it up and they're like, yeah, that's a problem. You need to change that. You know, you need to eat more dairy. Let's, um, let's do that. Yeah. You know, yeah. They, they don't have a process of why, but because over the last five years, I've had someone always asking me, but why do you do it that way? Or why do you, why does that make sense to you? Or what if this happened? I've actually learned over time to explain the process. So I've never just had that. I don't know what I see, but I see something. It's a lot of, I can actually verbalize it. And I think I'm with, with a student will help you do the same thing as opposed yeah, to, oh, yeah. uh, cause, because I know this nerve goes there. It's like, yeah, but, yeah, but why? why that nerve? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Why not another nerve? And why, you know, yeah. why is that relevant? And, and, and that's the, that's the main reason why I take students is to, <laughs> because when you teach something that you, you learn it a lot better. Right. And, you know, part of our job is to teach patients how to move better, how to recover better. And yeah, it's both sides. Right. Because you can teach a patient in lay terms without explaining it properly. Right. Yep. And, and get the point across. But when you have a student that understands like this nerve. Right. You're like, OK, now why? Where does that nerve go? This is what we do. This is why we do it. It innervates these muscles. This is, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's it's a lot better. And that's that's the main reason why I take students too, right, is to help them, but help myself too, right? Yeah, and you know what? There's something a little intimidating about having several people or in some cases when I've taught a Mac, you know, dozens of people watching <laughs> a case study and be yeah. like, but why, you know, what about that needle? Like, why is that crooked? Or, um, yeah. you know, why did you do that assessment? Or, you know, you're telling the patient this, but you know, we're all seeing that. Like, what are you doing and why? Um, it's intimidating at first, but what I soon realized is like that process that I have that I'd already built in was so robust that whether it was right or wrong, I could justify it. Right. If they like ultimately in the universe, if it was right or wrong, I could say, this is why I'm doing it. Whether it works or it doesn't, I'm going to get useful information out of it. So I think a lot of what, um, what I've trained myself to do now is even when I don't have somebody in the room, I'm imagining that you're there over my shoulder being like, why'd you put the needle there? You told me that the point is, uh, you, know, you know, half a centimeter further down this direction. Or like, did you go perpendicular, but now you're going on a 45. Um, or, you know, why did you put your hand there? Versus, so I'm, I actually have that voice in the back of my head. I've trained myself. So I'm constantly challenging everything I'm doing to make sure I'm not just going through the motions and then I can justify it. And then I find that I learn way more that way too. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's very true. Um, even when I don't have a student, right. I, it's funny because, uh, you say you hear like myself or probably Mike or somebody in the mentorship program. Right. Um, but I hear you in my head. Yes. I, I, when I'm doing an assessment, I hear, 
why didn't you check the ankle? You idiot. <laughs> check the ankle. <laughs> All right. Or it's like, ask about old, in, old injuries. You didn't ask about old injuries yet. And uh, like, I just hear you. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny because I, I picture, <laughs> funny enough, I picture you on your headset. Because right? <laughs> <what we're> <laughs> your headset is huge. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm like <laughs> Skyping into your tree yeah. room being like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> I'm like, like big me. brother. You gotta have just like a big projector screen or something. <laughs> like behind, behind the patient, I just see you with your headset. I'm like, I get Dan's asking me to ask that, so yeah. I'm gonna ask. <laughs> you know what? I, I, it's yeah, funny, but it really is. It really is valuable to have have that voice um, in your head, whatever it is. I, I I don't think I think for me. Again, a lot of it just came out of curiosity. I was just like, it's like, you know, the people who weren't getting better, the people who were getting better. And it just, I was trying to understand it in as much detail as possible. And I think that's um, what fuels me the most is like, I, there's still that competitiveness from sports in me that I, I want to be right. But I know that I, but being right isn't just saying I'm right. That's not going to cut it. Cause like, if you or anyone else asks me, and I was like, because, this is I say so because yeah, I, this is why I, yeah. I, I want to have a, 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 such a solid understanding and background and justifiable approach that I can be like because of this 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 and uh, and so I want to be right and I want to be better than everybody but the way what I found is the best path to do that is to constantly challenge myself so while I can't push myself in the gym <laughs> to get better as an athlete. Uh, I found myself really uh, capable of pushing myself in a treatment room to dive into whatever kind of understanding or um, test or uh, conversation I need to to get the the results that that I feel I I ought to produce on a regular basis. Right. Right. Yeah. And and yeah, that's why you know I I'm a big believer in like-minded people. Um, associate themselves with others right and so i i mean i i think the same way right i always challenge myself to be better um although i don't have you know the experience or the repertoire as you i want to be there i want to get there right uh so yeah no i i appreciate it i'm yeah it's interesting the one thing i i do kind of want to want to talk about briefly just, just as, as an interesting concept, is that there really are two different types of people within our, our profession. Um, there are the types of people who um, believe that the results are under their control, and then there are people who believe the results are, um, you know, natural regression to the mean, and you know, understanding the the psychosocial component and just guiding someone kind of to the water, so to speak. There's people who are like, I'm going to take you, here's the water, let me show you how to drink it, let me show you how to, you know, let me show you how to, how to fish, let me show you how to do all that stuff. Another ones who are like, let me kind of guide you on the journey and like, so, you know, through self-reflection kind of get there. Um, and, and don't put as much stock in their ability to influence the outcome of their patient uh, interaction. Um, I just find that really interesting. Within the, I can results kind there are still two groups within that in like sub one are the people who are just like doing the same thing over and over and over and expecting the results will happen and then there are people who are constantly challenging themselves to be better um and then on the on the kind of the passive not passive but like the the um the more kind of guide type strategy versus the active participant strategy in the guide strategy um you know there's different variations but it kind of fits under one camp of 
um, you know, slowly progressively loading somebody and educating them about pain and whatever, which is great and important. And I do all that stuff, but I'm, I'm doing that while I'm an active participant in their, in their, their progress. And uh, I think there's no reason why we can't do all of those things. It just takes more time, takes more awareness. And that's why this isn't something that just changes overnight. That's why this isn't a weekend course. I would have right. been in your head after a weekend course. You would have forgotten no. about me. No, I know. So. Yeah, I know. It's, it's true. And I mean, that's why it's pathetic to see some IQ courses where it's like two days, three days, right? It's like, yeah, okay, you're learning probably maybe 50 points, maybe. I would imagine. I, I, I mean, I don't know the course for sure, so I can't like, I can't dive into it. But I would imagine they don't learn the, the clinical thinking behind it, right? Yeah, I mean, I guess the cost is proportional to what they get out of it. Sorry, that's all right. Um, the cost is proportional to what they get out of it. So you know, for some people, um, that's they they either don't want to spend it or can't afford a, a more comprehensive approach. Or they just don't know. I honestly think a lot of people just don't know that there's that much better out there. And so I don't blame anybody for not knowing because I, I really just believe it's like a lack of, a lack of awareness. Um, right. So that's why but is that, is that their fault or is that? Well, that's you, an interesting you know question. I mean? Are they, are they because, actively, are they actively searching, uh, searching out the knowledge that they need to, to perform at that level? Um, I don't know. That's a, that's a good question to ask. Um, I would say some people, uh, they're actively just like, you know, going the, they're like, I want to spend this amount of money and they're not looking to see if there's other options. Uh, for some people, they hear from others. They're like, this is the thing you need to take. And they don't necessarily have the network of people that they can pick the brains of to figure out. Yeah, there's just people who don't know that I or the McMaster course or uh, other good mentors, they don't know they exist. If they don't know they exist, then how are you going to be, how are you going to be able to educate them on what they should be spending their money and energy and time on? You can't. So some of it are people who choose not to actively. Um, I, I honestly believe there are fewer of them um, than other people believe. I just, I don't know. I can't imagine you get into healthcare and just actually not care and just want to be right. It, like it happens. It, I know, it, just, it just blows I, my mind. I just don't yeah. want to, I'm just, I'm going to plead ignorance on that. I just assume that everyone actually cares until I'm proven otherwise. Um, it's just a better, it just you know, it helps me sleep at night knowing that everyone in healthcare actually cares. They just don't know. And it's my job to help them, you know, on that journey. Um, yeah. But yeah, who knows? No, the way, the way I see it is like, you know, I, there's, you know, I see it very similarly. There's two types of people in physio, right? There's people that are very latent and they like to just do the same thing over and over again. Right. And they get those kind of people, right. Um, they, eventually your caseload becomes those kind of people that mm -hmm. just want to sit there and do nothing. Right. Yep. Um, and then there's, there's people in physio that want to be better. They want to be the best, right? And if, if in order to be the best, you have to surround yourself with the best, right? In my opinion, anyways. Um, so you have to challenge yourself. And that's, that's kind of where, I mean, for, for you, right? I know you, you surround yourself with Alejandro and all those guys. And those guys are elite. They're, they're big company, right? And that's, that's how it's done. Right. I, I get it. Right. So, so yeah. no, I, yeah. Yeah. It's so, I don't know. I guess it's, it's a process. Cause I, again, I do see a lot of, I see students coming out of school in the last couple of years that are thinking a little bit more differently about the body. They're trying to acquire information, but they don't seem to be acquiring the right information. If, if you will, like, like they're moving in the right direction, but, and they're thirsty for knowledge. But I, I just feel like there's more 
available to them than what they're exposing themselves to. So, I, which is I think fine. it's because of the exam, right? The exam kind of handcuffed. Yeah, um, yeah but after the exam, I think, do they kind of just like, I, I don't know, I, I feel like, uh, yeah. you, like after the exam, you have so much opportunity to, yeah, to grow and learn. I just think it's about, there's so much content, there's so many courses, there's so many colleagues who are telling you that this was this myofascial release or this um k tape core like there are people who are telling you like oh i use taping all the time it makes the biggest difference in the world so, okay great well there was there was five hundred dollars or whatever you spent on that course that could have been spent on you know saved up invested whatever that could have been a you know a big chunk of the mcmaster course like people but people don't know and 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 so if they don't know then they're not gonna um it's all relative it's all relative yeah. right I, so, I get it i get it i, I mean at that point at that point, it's on them. If yeah. they know about it and they don't do anything, it's on them, right? Yeah, yeah, and that's why I like to assume that they don't know because yeah. <laughs> otherwise it's just depressing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, fair enough. It's it's uh, true. It's very true. Anyways, all right, man. Uh, all right, man. A little short, but I think we got some good stuff out of it. Yeah, yeah. basketball uh, player and, and yeah. Yeah, just, I will. For here's sure. something I want you to think about. Yeah. yeah, when you're getting results. Think about you know me with my yeah. head asking you <laughs> why are you getting those results? Yeah, what did you do? What was the reason they had the symptom in the first place? Why did your results? Why did what did what you do get the results as opposed to many of the other things you did? For sure. No, I appreciate it. Well, I got I got you and now my student asking me why. So. Love it. Good night. <laughs>